Remain standing as we do normally for the reading of God's word. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 17 to 19 says, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Then Philippians 3, verse 10 to 11 says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means i may attain to the resurrection from the dead heavenly father we pray in the name of jesus that every eye will be open this morning to see your truth every ear will be open to hear your voice every mind will be ready to understand your word and every heart open to receive your word. Spirit of the living God, we thank you. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For without his resurrection, we're still in our sin and we would be men of no hope. But the resurrection gives us hope this morning that though physically we may die, we will have life more eternal. In Christ Jesus. God Almighty, have your way. Let your truth be clearly understood in the name of Jesus. Lord, this is your sermon. This is your message. This is your people. This is your time. This is your day. Take all the glory. It belongs to you and to you alone. I decrease in every area of my life right now. So that you would increase. Speak through me, Lord God. Let your will be done. And your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This morning, I want to begin by sharing something incredibly important with you. Though we're speaking about the, the, the power and purpose of his re resurrection... I want to share with you a few things before I get there. Because in Christianity, the cross is the main thing. What Jesus satisfied and gained at the cross is the main thing. Without the cross, there is no power, no freedom, no forgiveness, no authority, no strength, no victory without the cross. There is nothing at all. The cross is the main thing. And so every year around Easter time, people typically focus on the cross. We remember that Christ's death paid the penalty for our sin. We meditate on how the reality of the cross enables those who believe and trust in Jesus to spend eternity in heaven. However... Once Easter, Easter passes, we frequently go back to doing our own thing and trying to live our lives without the cross, cross as the central focus. See, it isn't enough to gather together at the right place each Sunday, the church. It isn't enough to gather together with the right people in our lives, fellow believers. It isn't enough that there is a program and a plan or that there are books, seminars, workshops, worship, and personal devotional time on Sunday and throughout the week. All of that is good and all of that is critical. But all of that means nothing without the centrality of the main thing, the cross. If we leave out the cross, we are only left with the empty shell called religion. 
Without the cross, we are left with an empty set of rules, laws, requirements, and judgments. An attempt to legislate spirituality without the power, the intimacy, the grace, and the ability to live victorious spiritual lives. As a result, believers find themselves in perpetual defeat, never measuring up, never fully overcoming their struggles, never rising above their circumstances, never fulfilling their destiny, and never achieving the complete manifestation of their significance because they are operating without the power and the deliverance of the cross. They are trying to live the Christian life without the main thing, the cross. So many believers today want to live in victory, yet continually live defeated lives. The problem that we face in our modern contemporary Christian culture is that we have forgotten the purpose, the preeminence, and the power of the cross. We view it as an icon reflecting something that happened thousands of years ago, but that has little relevance to us today other than at communion or Easter in order to produce feelings of guilt or appreciation. Far too many Christians view the cross as a historical event that will take them to heaven rather than as a current event wielding everything they need to bring heaven to bear on earth. Essentially, we have made the cross nothing more than a replica to induce guilt rather than what it is. The single most greatest affirmation and demonstration of pure love, unconditional love, God's love. Far too many Christians view the cross as this historical thing. And that's it for them. Whenever religious activity, however sincere, trumps relationship, the power of Jesus Christ is no longer experienced in the believer's life. See, the key to the cross is not the two beams of wood, one vertical and one horizontal. The key to the cross is the one who hung on it as a sinless sacrifice. So never let religion get in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Rather take the cross off from around your neck and carry it instead. You have been crucified with Christ. And as a result, you are a new creation. There is a purpose for which Christ rose from the dead. And there is a power made available to us through his Resurrection. You see, we need both to know the purpose and the power for us to enjoy maximally our relationship with God. With the accompanying benefits in this world and in the world to come. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. You see, this is Paul's primary desire. This is what Paul wants more than anything else in this life. To know the living, the resurrected Christ, and to know the power associated with that resurrection. Furthermore, if he's not raised from the dead, then he has no power today. He's dead. His words might have some influence, but he himself would have no power today. So this is why the resurrection, and not just the cross, but the resurrection is so central to Christianity and Christians. Christianity is not a religion based on abstract principles. Christianity is a relationship with a living Savior, a Savior we can know, a Savior who infuses our life and empowers us, who transforms us into his likeness. But what does Paul mean? When he says he wants to know Christ. And what is the power of his resurrection? If you remember nothing 
about Easter, remember this. It is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. The desire of mankind should primarily, firstly, centrally be to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Because if that is not man's pursuit, then life is vain and wasted. The whole purpose of man is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That ought to be our foremost desire. Our everyday walk and our everyday talk. Especially for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers or Christians. First of all, what does knowing Christ mean? Because, because Paul begins speaking about knowing Christ. So let us first consider whether or not this desire belongs to Paul alone. Is it that Paul is the only person? Is Paul stating a personal preference or a truth that is central for all Christians? Was Paul speaking to himself that I, Paul, want to know Christ and this is just for me, Paul? Jeremiah helps us to understand that it is not just for Paul. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 to 24 in the New King James translation says this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Wait to underline these phrases in your Bible. Glory in his wisdom. He says, let not the mighty glory in his might. Underline glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. Glory in his riches. Underline that. Verse 24 says, But let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. So our glory should be in understanding and knowing God, knowing Christ. Goes on and says that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these I delight says the Lord the prophet is saying if you are going to glory don't glory in your wisdom don't glory in your strength don't glory in your riches glory in this that you understand and know the Lord because knowing God is more important than wisdom Knowing God is more important than strength. And knowing God is more important than riches. Many of us want to be affluent. Influential. Wealthy, wise, strong. And we make these things the most important pursuit in life. The prophet says, if you want glory in life, know God, know Christ. You say, think about the people who are most admired in this world. They are admired for these three things. People are admired because of their strength, because of their might, because of their riches. We tend to admire those who are bright, those who are intelligent and knowledgeable, or those who are physically gifted in strength, talent, or beauty, or those who have amassed great wealth. We tend to glory in those people and we put them on pedestals and we lift them up and we elevate them and we give them larger than life status. But the Lord says through Jeremiah that none of these are of great importance. They are not of great importance. They may have some relevance to life, but they are not of great importance. What matters more than anything else is understanding and knowing the Lord. The covenant God who delights in kindness, in justice, and righteousness. At the end of life, what matters most is understanding and knowing the Lord. And his and this prominence of knowing God carries over into the gospel. Jesus himself, on the night prior to his death, prays for his followers. And listen to what Jesus says. 
the night before he goes to the cross. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus didn't pray for them to get wisdom. He didn't pray for them to get wealth. He didn't pray for them to get strength. He said, now this is, this is his prayer. Now this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. His prayer wasn't for the disciples to get wealth. It wasn't for them to do miracles. His prayer was for them and the people to know God, to know Christ. But what is eternal life? Eternal life is simply knowing God, knowing Jesus. Because without knowing him, there is no true life. True life begins when you know Christ. Without Christ in your life, there is a, a void. That no wealth, no wisdom, no strength can fill. You have to know him. Peter also emphasizes this point. In 2 Peter verse one, chapter 1 verse 3. says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I, I love the scripture. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need. Everything we need for life and godliness. How? How do we get it? Through our knowledge of him. Real wisdom, real goodness, real life comes through knowledge of God. If you're out there this morning and you're unsaved. And you're thinking, why should I give my life to Christ? Because you haven't started living until you start living with Christ. That's when life begins. Our knowledge of him leads to his empowering us with everything we need for life and for godliness. Everything we need to go through this life. In fact, there's a song we sing. Everything you need, he's already provided. That provision comes through knowing him. John says that Jesus came so that, well, John makes a similar point near the close of his first letter. In 1 John 5 verse 20, says, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Given us understanding, watch. So that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. Even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You see, John says that Jesus came so that we might know him. The purpose of the incarnation was our knowing him. That is central to the gospel. So the Old Testament, New Testament, the gospels, letters, Paul, Peter, John, all agree that knowing God, knowing Jesus is central. The question you have to ask yourself this morning as you're listening, as you're watching, do you know him? Paul says, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Do you know him? But what does knowing him mean? See, we get to know about a person in part by being in their physical presence. But how do we know Jesus? Surely knowing God also is much more than knowing facts about God. So I'm not talking about knowing facts about God. How can we come into his deep personal? How can we come into this deep personal relationship with him? I'm not just talking about knowing about him. I'm talking about knowing him by being in an intimate relationship with him. So how do we know God? How do we know God? How do we know that we know God? How do we know God? Firstly, we must know about him. So we need to learn about God. 
If you're going to know God, you need to learn about God. If you want to drive, you have to learn about driving and cars. If you want to be a doctor, you have to learn about medicine. So if you want to know God, you have to begin to learn about God. How? By listening to faithful preachers of God and teachers of God's word. By regular reading and studying the Bible. By witnessing in part, in, by, by witnessing the impact of God on the lives of others. By spending time in worship. By praying. But second, not just to learn about him. We must go beyond learning facts. But we must cultivate our own relationship with him. So when I speak about knowing God, it's speaking about cultivating our own relationship with him. It's not based on your, your relationship with God, though church is important. It's not based on the status of the church you attend. It is based on you cultivating and building that relationship with him. So let us consider three steps to cultivating a relationship with God. First step is putting your faith in him. You have to put your faith in God. Believing that he is the son of God. Believing that the event we celebrate today, the resurrection really did take place and wanting him to make you into a new creation. That's step one. Step two is, is spending time in prayer. Prayer alone and prayer with others. In prayer, you can share all your joys, your frustrations, and sorrows with God, the God of the universe, the God who cares. Talking to God will build your relationship with him. The third step is following. Listen as you pray and read the Bible. Be willing to follow. We are followers of Christ. Meaning we follow what he says, we follow where he goes, and we follow what he does. Even when his commands don't seem to make sense, follow. Depend on God when his requirements seem unreasonable. When you do this, when you step out in faith, he will be there to support you and you will see Jesus as a living, risen Savior. So put your faith in him. Spend time in prayer. Follow him. Don't just learn about him. Get to know him. By cultivating your own relationship with him. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Is that your desire this morning? Is that your desire? As you consider all that is happening around you, globally, nationally, as you consider that, do you want to know Christ? Are you taking this time to know Christ more and more? Are you growing more intimate? You see, we have always complained that we have no time. Life has given us enough time for our relationship with God. But the truth is, if you don't have a desire for it, more time won't help you. Even if you get the rest of the year off, if you don't have a desire to cultivate this relationship with God, it won't help you. In fact, maybe you have pulled away from God. And you're living on activities. More so than an intimate relationship. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Second part of Paul's desire. This is a desire. Paul says, my desire is to know Christ. Is that your desire? The second part of his desire is to know the power of his resurrection. Paul says, I'm not just satisfied with knowing you, God. I'm not just satisfied with knowing you, Christ. I also want to know the power of your resurrection. See, I want to understand that Paul doesn't ask God for more power. Instead, he asks God that he might know the resurrection power that he already has. Let me say to you, if Christ is in you, you already have resurrection power in you. 
And so that is why Paul didn't say, give me more power. Paul says, I want to know the power. I, I know you, God, but now I want to know the power. I want to know about, I want to become, in, Lord, I, I'm intimate with you. I now want to become intimate with the power that's in me. Your power. Listen, many of us know Christ, but we don't know, we don't have that same intimate fellowship with the power of Christ in us. And so there are many things that we're not experiencing in our lives because we don't know the power. Paul didn't ask some more power. Paul said he wants to know about the resurrection power that he already has. You see, Paul first prior for the Ephesians parallels this idea. In chapter 1 of that letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus, he prayed that the Ephesians might know three things. And the third thing is this. He says he prayed that they would know his incomparable great power for us who believe, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So Paul prayed, one of the things Paul prayed for the church is that they would come into the knowledge of the incomparable great power for us who believe. In other words, you and I, Paul prayed that you and I one day would come to know the incomparable great power that God has deposited in us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead and you and I came into relationship with him, the same power, that, that's what we sang this, this, this morning, same power, the same power, that same power lives in me, the same power lives in us, but we don't tap into that power. And Paul was praying that the people would come into knowledge of that great power. So all Christians have this power. So you can put your hand on your chest and say, I have the resurrection power of Christ in me as a child of God. All Christians have access to this in, incomparable great power, this resurrection power. Our task is really to tap into it. We live defeated life because we are not tapping into the power. Not that we don't have it. So I'm going to help you. See, some of the stuff that we struggle with is because we are not tapping into the power. So I'm going to give us five aspects of this power. It is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power that Paul speaks about, that we have, we have, we have uh, sin's forgiveness or the forgiveness of sin. It is because of this power we have sin forgiven. Or we have the forgiveness of sin. This power is what causes you and I to have our sins forgiven. And when you begin to walk in condemnation and in guilt because of sins that have been forgiven, you're not tapping into the power. You see, sin has had a hold on all of us. Without God, we are slaves to sin. But Christ, through his death and resurrection, frees us from the power of sin. I have power, resurrection power, that frees me from the power of sin. You see, the Bible says in Romans 4.25, He has delivered over to death because of our sin. He was delivered over to death because of our sins and raised to life because of our justification. In other words, I have been justified because of Christ's death, His burial, and His resurrection. So there was a time before I knew Christ when sin had power over me but no sin has no hold on me because resurrection power now lives in me you see christ died as a necessary sacrifice for our sin but he's been raised to life his resurrection is absolutely vital as paul says he was raised to life 
because of our justification. I have been justified because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? I live in the forgiveness of God. Because I have his resurrection power in me. When Jesus died, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. The punishment that all of us deserve for all our sins. Had there been any lacking in Jesus' sacrifice? If his blood had lacked the power to cancel the penalty of anyone's sin, God could not have raised him. In that case, God's justice would not have allowed him to raise Jesus from the dead. Let me say it again. If there was no power, if there was no power to cancel the penalty of our sins, of anyone's sin, no matter what it is, God could not have raised Jesus. The reason why he's resurrected is because his blood has power to justify. He's a spotless lamb of God. But the very fact of the resurrection shows once and for all that Jesus' sacrifice is all that is necessary to pay the penalty for sin. For my sin. For your sins. In other words, I thank God that I don't have to pay the penalty because the penalty has been paid by Jesus already. So whenever Satan accuses us saying, God could never forgive you for what you have done. You see, when people come and they speak to you that we know they're they agents of Satan. Because if God can't forgive it, Jesus would not have been raised from the dead. The fact that Jesus is raised from the dead... It means that his blood has all power to cleanse all sin. So he comes and tells you how terrible you are. We can say, Jesus rose from the dead. And that settles it. Jesus rose from the dead because I am justified. Having believed in Jesus, I am righteous in God's eyes. That's the power of the resurrection. That is the power of of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we have the forgiveness of sin. We have power over sin. Because of the resurrection, we have the power to conquer sin. Me that sin don't have to conquer you. Sin don't have to rule over you. Maybe there was a time before you came into, into a relationship with him. Sin had power over you, but now sin has no power over you. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. The scripture didn't just call you a conqueror. It calls you more than a conqueror. There are some people who can conquer, but you can conquer more than those who can conquer. You are more than a conqueror. You are bigger, better, stronger than a, a regular old conqueror. It means that when it comes down to sin, you are a conqueror and you will not be conquered by sin. But resurrection power doesn't end with our forgiveness. Christ's resurrection also empowers us to conquer sin in our lives. So, so, so the resurrection not just forgives you from the sin, it gives you power to live out of the sin. Hallelujah. I thank God that the resurrection is not just one fold. It says you're forgiven and then you have no choice but to go back to sin. What the resurrection does, it says you're forgiven and I'm going to give you power so you don't have to go back to where you're coming from. So Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 2, put on the new self. Put on the new self. Put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you want that resurrection power, the new self is the resurrection power of God. It's like I'll take off this coat that I have on and put on a resurrected coat. And that resurrected coat means it's a coat of righteousness and a coat of holiness. And my desire for sin is no longer there because now I'm living in my new created state in Christ Jesus. 
So in Christ, we are a new creation. His spirit lives within us. How do I not sin? Christ lives in me. Prior to knowing Christ, I had me living in me. And me plus me is sin. But now, I have Christ living in me. And when I decrease and he increases in me, it means that we conquer sin as a team. We have been renewed. We have a new self. And the purpose of that new self is to be conformed to the image of Christ. To become like him. Truly righteous. Truly holy. To become what God intends humans to be. God wants us to be truly righteous and truly holy. He has given us the power to do so. We have the power. You have the power to walk in holiness. You have the power to walk in righteousness. But I like how Paul puts it. Paul says, put on the new self. Paul didn't say, and God puts on. Put the new self on you. In other words, every day we have the choice of putting on the new self or the old self. Paul gives us the answer. So, if this is the case, why do Christians keep sinning? Paul gives us the answer in today's verse in Philippians. We have the power, but we don't know the power. And Paul says, that I may know the power of the resurrection. The day you tap into and understand and comprehend and get intimate with the resurrection power of God that is in you, you become a sin conqueror. You begin to walk in true righteousness and true holiness. We continue to live defeated lives because we continue to live in the grave. You see, Jesus, the, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus came out of the grave. Listen, you can't live in the tomb. We have all this power, but we continue to act as if we are weak, as if we are still slaves to sin. You see, Satan tries to deceive us, making us think that we are still his. And he uses habits ingrained in us over years to make us believe him. But God gives us the power to break those sinful habits. But we must first know we have the power. That is why Paul has such a strong desire for this power. Do you really desire to know the power of Christ's resurrection? People don't pray these kinds of prayers. We, get, we pray to be taken out of problems. We, we pray more about COVID ending. We are praying to get back our jobs. We are praying for money to run again. We are praying that things can be better for us again. We are praying the things to bring glory to our lives. We are praying for so we can glory in our strength and glory in our might and Glory in our wisdom. Listen, here is what is happening. Paul is saying, listen, listen, listen. Pray to get to know the power of Christ. The resurrection power means we have the power to be God's agents. God agents. See, Christianity is not just about forgiveness and overcoming sin. Christianity is not simply a solution to our problems. See, many people get saved because they're looking solution to their problems. Christianity is bigger than solution to your problems. It's more than that. It's more than that. God has a positive purpose in our salvation. He has determined that we are to be his agents of change in this world. The church has always wanted an opportune time to be witnesses. Here it is. We messed up last Easter because the COVID was on us and we were taken by shock. And after one year, we're still operating in shock. 
the church is still in a state of shock. When we, when we have the, the, we have the opportune time to be agents of change. People are confused. People are lost. We have the opportunity to be agents of change today in this time. You see, God empowers us not only to defeat sin, but also to share and display his loving message to the world in this time. This is when the church needs to be the light of the world. That's what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means we are God's agent in a world filled with confusion, filled with trouble. We still remain the light. We remain the salt of the earth. Where is the light? Where is the light? Where is our witness? Where is the gospel being preached? Where are the baptisms? Where are the people's life changing? We ought to be agents of change in this world. We are to share and display in this time the message of God's love to this world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A message of reconciliation was committed to us, so we are ambassadors. We have a message to spread. We have a message. We have a message of hope. When last have you called someone and prayed with them? Let me tell you, you'd think, you'd think like the, 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 the church would be locked in. You'd think like prayer meetings would be crammed with people now. You'd think like if, if the church had a prayer meeting, everyone would be there because of what is happening. You'd think like if the church had cell group and there were new people coming, everyone in the church would be involved. But we're still consumed with glory in our strength, our might, and in our wisdom. And Paul is saying the resurrection is not for those things. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is so that we can be God's agents in this world. When last have you witnessed to somebody? Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 and says, my, Jesus, my power is made perfect in weakness. And I'm going to use that in the context of the church. God says, my power, God's power, is made perfect in weakness. When we are weak, it's when the power of God is perfected. In this difficult time, it's no better time to display God's power. How is the resurrection power of Christ in you affecting life right now? That's a question we must honestly answer. Have we taken the resurrection power outside of our circle? Because of the resurrection power, we have the power to be conformed to his likeness. We have the power to be conformed to his likeness. Resurrection power, power's greatest accomplishment is conforming us to the likeness of Christ. We are forgiven of our sins. Enabled not to sin. Sin. So we are forgiven of our sins. We are enabled not to sin. We are appointed ambassadors. And we are perfected in his love. Because Paul says this. We are being transformed into his likeness 
with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, Holy Spirit, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. When the resurrection power is in you, there's a transformation taking place. You're looking like Christ. You begin to look like Christ more and more every day. You are looking like him. You are become not just in terms of physical looks, because some of us may think that, but in terms of our day-to-day -day operation in this life, into his likeness. Can you imagine what that means? Think of everything about yourself that you don't like. All the habits, all the negative characteristics, the things you have wanted to change, have tried to change. God will deal with every one of those. You are being made into a perfect creation. You are becoming like Christ when the resurrection power is at work in your life. That is your destiny as a Christian. Becoming the perfect bride of Christ. The spotless, blameless, loving, kind, strong person that God created you to be. Transformed into his likeness. That is the power of the resurrection. The power of God's resurrection, of Christ's resurrection, makes you more like Christ. The same power that lives within me. How many times am I going to say, if the power is in you, you're looking more like Christ. If the power is in you, you are an agent of change for God. If the power is in you, you are a conqueror over sin. If the power is in you, you have power over sin, and sin no longer has a hold on you. And finally, if the resurrection power, because of his resurrection power, because of his resurrection, we have the power to overcome the devil and his kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have the power. In other words, we have the authority to overcome everything the devil brings up against us. As the people of God. If you feel like you're under spiritual attack. Know this. That God has given you resurrection power. To conquer every demon from hell. To destroy every satanic destruction. You have that power this morning. Let me just read for you. Uh, Philippians 2, 5-11. It says. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and have given and, have, and given him the name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, hallelujah, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It was through his death and resurrection that Jesus Christ was given a name above every other name. And this means a power above every other power. You see, Jesus gave us this power. You have this power, this power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. How are you being affected by demonic forces of darkness? All kind of devils from hell causing all kind of trouble in your life. I want you to know this morning because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have been given power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. The devil is not stronger than you. 
because you have the resurrection power. Listen, the resurrection is so important because if Jesus did not resurrect, then the devil would have some power. But because of his resurrection, the devil has no power over us. He's not more powerful than us because we have power to trample upon every dark thing, every devilish thing, every demonic thing in the name of Jesus. That's the power of Christ's resurrection. That I may know him, Paul says, and the power of his resurrection. I don't just want to know God. I want to know the power of his resurrection. The resurrection power that is in me. And so I've learned to stop praying that God, I need power. And no, no, no. My, uh, my prayers now is that God cause me to become intimate with the resurrection power that is already in me. Can imagine we sing it every day, every, every Eastern, and ever so often, same power, same power lives within me. And then we operate like the devil is stronger than us. We operate like the world has influence over us. We operate like sin can conquer us. We operate like sin still have a hold on us. Knowing this power will cause us to exercise our rightful authority over the powers of darkness. And we will not be afraid of them. When you get to know this power, when you become intimate with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, you begin to execute your spiritual, your rightful spiritual authority upon serpents and scorpions and strongholds and demons and principalities and powers. It is when you live in a place called, I don't fear what men will do to me. I don't fear what men will say about me. I don't fear what people think about me. Because I have the power and I'm executing my rightful authority. You don't have to live in defeat to sin. You don't have to live in defeat to doubt. You don't have to live in defeat to the devil. No Christ. And know the power of his resurrection. So the fact of the resurrection is central to true Christianity. The resurrection must be true if we are to know to have a relationship with our Savior. The resurrection must be true if we are to have access to the power which raised Jesus from the dead. The power to be forgiven from sin. The power to overcome sin. The power to be God's ambassadors. The power to be conformed to Christ's likeness. The power to overcome Satan and his kingdom. I want to pray that for you this morning. I want to pray that you will know Christ and the power of his resurrection. The resurrection is central to Christianity. The cross is central to Christianity. I don't know if you know that. But without the cross, there is no Christianity. And if there was no resurrection, our faith would be in vain. But it's not just that Christ is resurrected. It's that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. And what are we doing about it? Give you just a quick example and pray. Imagine if there, were, there was one person in the world right now who had all the power to reverse all the problems caused by COVID. Just think with me. There's this one person and they have the power to reverse everything. And we know that they have it, but they don't know that they have it. Do you know that nothing would change? Because until they know that they have the power, then they find out that they have the power. They know that the power is there, but they decide that they're not going to use it. You know that the problems would not change. The thing is, 
It's not that we don't know that we have the power. We know that we have the power. The problem is, have you tapped into the power? See, there are many things around you that shouldn't be the way they are. There are many things in you and in me that shouldn't be the way they are. Because we have power to change them. We have resurrection power that can change them. But we haven't tapped into that power. Let me read how I began this morning. In Christianity, the cross is the main thing. What Jesus satisfied and gained at the cross is the main thing. Without it, there is no power, no freedom, no forgiveness, no authority, no strength, no victory, nothing at all. The cross is the main thing. It, it, isn't enough, it, it isn't enough to gather together at the right place each Sunday. That's church. It isn't enough to gather together with the right people in our lives, fellow believers. It isn't enough that there is a program and a plan. Are there books, seminars, worship, and personal devotion times on Sunday and throughout the week? All of that is good and all of that is critical. But all of that means nothing without the centrality of the main thing. Without the cross, without the resurrection, we are left with an empty set of rules, laws, requirements, and judgments. Just at an attempt to legislate spirituality without the power, the intimacy, the grace, and the ability to live spiritually victorious life. So, Heavenly Father, We're not celebrating Easter. We're celebrating your resurrection. And like the Apostle Paul this morning, our desire, our prior, is that we would know you and the power of your resurrection. Not just to learn about you, not just to learn about the power of the resurrection, but to become intimate with you and to become intimate with the power of the resurrection. Because it is the power of the resurrection that gives us power over sin, the forgiveness of sin. It is the power of the resurrection in us that helps us to overcome sin. We conquer sin. It is the power of the resurrection that causes us to be Christ's ambassadors. That even in the worst of times, we are still the light of the world and the salt of the earth. It is the power of the resurrection that gives us authority over every demonic and devilish and satanic power. We have that power to trample upon serpents and scorpions because of the resurrection. So we celebrate your resurrection this morning. And we declare that the same power lives in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in us. God, I pray that believers all across Jamaica would tap into that power right now in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that young men and young women, teenagers and even those younger than that in their 10-year-old and 8-year-old will tap into the resurrection power of Jesus Christ right now in the name of Jesus. That, that 
marriages will, will become victorious because husbands and wives have tapped into the resurrection power in them. I pray that families will be better because our families will begin to tap into the resurrection power that is in them. God, I pray that businesses will rebound in the name of Jesus as owners of businesses begin to tap into the resurrection power power that is in them in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that revival will break out in the church. God, as the congregants and pastors and leaders begin to tap into the power of the resurrection that is in them in the name of Jesus. I pray that parliament will change Lord God Almighty as the church begins to tap into the power of the resurrection that is within them in the name of Jesus. You're the all-powerful God. We declare that defeat is over in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You have won the victory. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen king. God, we thank you. That's resurrection power at work. And that same power is at work today. Dead things come alive because of your resurrection power. It's not an event, God, that we celebrate once a year. It's a life. For you are the resurrection and the life. Resurrection didn't begin with Lazarus, God. For from you were in heaven, you were declared to be the resurrection and the life. Demonstrating it didn't give you the name. It is because you had the name while you demonstrated resurrection. It's who you are. Our God is alive. And so I thank you in the name of Jesus this morning. That those lives who are dead spiritually will come alive again in the name of Jesus. God, we, we assign ministering angels to minister resurrection power in the lives of your people. All those listening right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we pray for those who don't know you. And as Paul prayed, that I may know you. Come on, maybe that's you this morning. Just say, God, I want to know you. Just say, God, I want real life. I want true life. Just a lot. Fill this void that is in me. There's an empty space, Lord God. There's, there's, there's something missing. And that's you and your power. Come on, ask him. Say, Lord, come and fill the void. Come and fill the void. Come and fill the void, God. Just, just tell him, say, Lord, I need true life. My life has been messed up. Just say to him, God, I'm, I'm not looking for a problem-free life. I, I, I just need somebody, someone, and that's you, Jesus, would make me rise above the problems. I don't, I don't mind problems. I just need someone who will cause me to rise above the problems. And that one is Jesus. So Lord said to ask him, so come fill the void, come fill the void, God. I don't mind the storm if I have you. I don't mind the fire if I have you. I don't fear death if I have you. I don't fear luck when I have you. He has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him. Listen, the missing things, God just wants you to know that if you get to know him, you'll begin to see the missing things come back again. The missing things will be found. The missing pieces will come back together. He said, just get to know me and my resurrection power. Get to know me and my resurrection power. Get to know me and my resurrection power. And the missing pieces will come back together again. The, the, the broken pieces will come back together again. The void will be filled again. I know you probably feel like Lazarus' family. 
And at one point they thought it was over. Or maybe you feel like disciples who thought like it was over. They thought the cross was the end, though they had heard the story. Then some thought the tomb was the end. But then came Jesus. But then came Jesus. And he stepped into their room. Because they were locked up in a place and, and he stepped into their room. Listen, God is about to step into. You, you thought it was over. You thought it was dead. But he's about to step into your room. He's about to step into that place where you feel like all hope is gone. It's never going to work again. It's not coming back again. And out from the tomb he came. And he, he's coming right into your room right now. And he's, 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 he's coming with all power. Oh, hallelujah. I wish you would just stand up right in your homes and just begin to worship him for his resurrection power this morning. And begin to pray like Paul and say, Lord, I, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. God, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands all over. I know, I know you in, in your bedroom, in your, in your living room, in your, in your kitchen. Just lift your hands. This is Resurrection Sunday. Let's celebrate the risen King. Oh God, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. For the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That power now lives in me. Hallelujah. Yeah. 